1: This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Tuesday, September seventh. Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. Notre Dame, a forty-one to thirty-eight winner at Florida State in overtime. We have a lot of things to talk about. Uh, let's, yeah, I think mainly let's talk about the two coordinators because everybody seems to have an opinion on uh, on that and, and and the quarterback play in particular. Let's let's start on the. I want to start on defensive side of the ball. We have no questions in the second segment about the alignment because we're, we're going to address it here. There are a million questions about it. We'll try to address it all here. Now the, Tim, why don't you start just your perspective on the defense and what we saw in a, uh, in a difficult, it was a difficult environment for the first game that uh, Marcus Freeman coached in our game.
0: Yeah, I certainly agree with the sentiment that it was odd to, Stay in the three-four front when you're protecting that lead. When the four-three had worked much better, but I don't mind. A, I don't mind a switch to it. I mean, given a different look to Florida to Jordan Travis is fine. I just I do agree a little bit with what Kelly said that it's the first game in a new defensive structure and a, and a. I'm guessing a very different defensive structure than Clark Lee, where he had layers to his defense and there was so much keeping it in front of you and not like not allowing the bust. First game, a new defensive structure, ninety degrees. I think maybe rotated to the detriment a little early, but I get it. If you're going to rotate, you have to commit to rotating, but you're rotating DJ Brown and Shane Simon. in when you have them in the first quarter at negative nine yards, and it's an 89 yard touchdown, you know, that those guys aren't as good as the people they're replacing. Now, maybe, maybe they would have wilted more in the second half if they didn't rotate, but I think there's plenty of room for growth. And I'm sure someone has put this on the board or maybe Pete has referenced it. Cause he talks about the game a lot. The linebackers were miserable against louisville in 2019 absolutely terrible in fact the three worst rated players in that game against louisville two of the three i'm sorry were drew white and jeremiah wusu koromoa 20 and 21 and asmar balal who we all thought was the worst was 16 and those guys ended up all being in the top well top 10 at least of players on that team so i think you have to give some room for growth here in the new structure of defense if you see this against cincinnati then 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 we're wrong I mean then we're wrong if you see this that far
2: yeah I I mean this three-man front was all part of like Freeman's resume like that this was this was a positive uh when Notre Dame hired the ability to be multiple and confuse people and you know give different looks and I mean when they came out on a three-man front on the first play of the game and Cam Hart threw uh that you know had a five-yard tackle for loss on a pass like I didn't see a lot of like reaction about like, why the hell is Notre Dame in a three-man front? Um, you know, I so yeah, I think they wore down. J.D. Bertrand, I think, played 69 snaps on defense, um, which is more than you would want a first-time starter to play. But they didn't have any choice because Shane Simon was hurt and Leofa was out. And you can't start cross-training Jack Kaiser during the game at Will Linebacker. <laughs> uh, I also think like this is something that, maybe you guys wrote about it, but I know we didn't talk about it. I didn't write about it uh, until today and, you know, probably missed the boat on it. Like Mike Norvell actually knows how to scheme it up against Marcus Freeman. They play Memphis and Cincinnati played twice in 2019. Memphis won both games. They averaged a full yard more per carry on, on Cincinnati than Cincinnati's season average. And they scored 11 points per game more than Cincinnati's season average. So like, Mark Norvell is a good offensive coach um, and he saw an opening and stuck with it. I don't, I don't, I liked Kelly's answer after the game about Freeman learning his personnel more. I did not understand what Kelly was talking about on Monday when I read the transcript about like layers and getting back to old habits as if the players were like, no, let's do what we did under Clark Lee. That didn't, that can, that actually, actually confused me a little bit more. Whereas on Sunday night, I was like, Oh, I totally get it.
1: Yeah. I, I thought, you know, the, the one thing I, I, I don't like about people in our profession and, and fans, I, and we kind of are lumped together in a lot of respects, certainly compared to a coaching staff is like speaking about this as if we're experts about it. Now I would agree. Having seen the entire game on, on tape, um, you know, I understand going to a three-three-five when you've you've gone up thirty-eight to twenty, and I understand doing that in the opening drive after going up thirty-eight to twenty. Um, but when they score on you, and ten of your ten of the eleven plays are running plays, and they're running the football, now you have to make some adjustments. And they sort of did; they weren't in exclusively three-man fronts in the ensuing drive, um, but. You know the linebackers are compromised. They they were compromised in that situation. Uh, I thought J D Bertrand was pretty damn good. He had eleven tackles, which is three less than Shane Simon had at that position all of last year. So he's pretty active. There's nothing wrong with Nording's linebackers. Um, they're not slow. They're they're. I think they react well. They 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 tackle the football. They the, the tackling was poor. Would we even be talking about the front if Notre Dame had tackled better? And I realize that maybe the front had something to do with some of the bad tackling, uh, but there's nothing wrong with Notre Dame's linebackers. I think a stereotype is coming into play when we talk about Bauer and Bertrand and, and White. They're good linebackers. That's not the problem. Um, the defensive front was a little bit overwhelmed uh, when, when it got to 38-20. And in that series, I didn't realize this during the game, Aaron's Berger was in Jacob Lacey was in uh, neither one of which were very effective. They, they shuffled out of there. I just think that there is a, as always a complete overreaction, the talk of scrapping three, three, five, as you said, Pete, it's a very important part of, of um, Marcus Freeman's game. It was just a little bit misused on Saturday night or Sunday night. And, and, and hopefully they will adjust from there.
2: Pete. I, was, I just wanted to add a point when you said there's nothing wrong with Notre Dame's linebackers. I think there is. There's just not enough of them anymore. You know, Mawal is out for the season. Simon is out no, for No, I'm talking time. about the, yeah. the
1: front-line guys yeah. that played.
2: I think they just they wore down. Um, it was really soupy down there. And, I mean, then they wore down in unexpected ways. Like, I don't think J.D. Bertrand was expected to play 69 snaps in a game. Like, I, I think he used a chance to be a really, really good football player. But you just don't you don't want to play guys 95% of the snaps in 95% humidity. Um so that that was I think just sort of a that was something unexpected that Notre Dame had to roll with at the time. Um and moving forward, they shouldn't, as long as they don't lose anybody else.
1: Okay. We have plenty of time to talk about this as we move forward in the season, but I want to go to I want to go to Jack Cohn and Tommy Reese. Um I <laughs> I mean, again, having it's very difficult for us to evaluate a game from the press box without looking at the replay of it. And I thought that – well, I thought at the time and in, 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 in after watching the game, Jack Cohn played very well. No, he's not very mobile. The entire world knew that coming in. He's a guy that can throw the ball down the field. I don't – you know, I, I, I see that he doesn't have a very strong arm. I think he just finessed a couple of those underthrown passes early on. The pass to um, Kevin Austin Jr. for the touchdown was in the air for 41 yards. I mean, he doesn't need to throw at 60. He has plenty of arm to do what they want to do. I thought he did a good job. He was very accurate. He's not very mobile. Uh, you know, particularly disappointing is when he when he's on when he once he's on the run, he's not probably not going to be very effective throwing the football. But when he sets his feet and he has time to throw, which he generally did. He did a really good job. Tommy Reese called a good game. You know, I, I am always hearing about, Oh, well, he didn't, he, he he stopped being aggressive in the fourth quarter. No, he, he, they they threw there were incompletions. There were sacks. They threw, they just weren't successful doing that. What about the call on third and one, the touchdown pass to Austin? What about the execution of the third and 17th screen pass, by the way, the two running backs were targeted ten times and caught ten passes, so I think we know that Jack Cole can can accentuate that part of Notre Dame's game throwing to the running backs. But Tommy Reese did just fine. It's it's all about the third and five call with the quarterback. If you look at that, I understand the look. They they ran two DBs off the line of scrimmage with the, with two wideouts and the right tackle and right guard didn't block. Is it a call you should make when you have such a very deep playbook probably not I don't disagree with that but Tommy Reese called a good game they couldn't run the football how do you call a good game with one arm tied behind your back you can't
2: you have Jack Cohn throw it that much right (laughs) that's that's how you do it and I thought yeah I mean I thought he called a really good game I thought Jack Cohn was like I thought I had reasonably optimistic expectations for Jack Cohn, but he exceeded pretty much all of them so that would be, to me, the, the biggest positive takeaway, the biggest surprise was not that Jekyll was good, but that he was even better than we thought.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important one. Um, I agree with you, he's better than I thought he would be um, in his first game, especially in rough environment with no running game. Now, the running game has to get better. It's not going to get immediately better against good defenses because they we talked about it for nine months. No one wanted to believe us that the running game wouldn't be as good this year with losing four pros that were 22 years old. It's the way the world works. Uh, it's the way college football works if you're replacing four pros with young guys and guys from Marshall and guys that haven't started until their fifth year. It's, that doesn't mean they can't be fine. Uh, I also think another positive is Kevin Austin was getting his feet under him, and he looked like a really good football player right away. That's Kevin Austin's first game back, that he feels like Kevin Austin. Since he was running around right before he was getting suspended as a freshman, he really, really showed up. Uh, I thought that cut in space was outstanding. You're going to see more of that cut in space by Kevin Austin in yards after the catch than you will deep balls, I think. He is just going to become another weapon for Notre Dame. I thought Brayden Lindsey responded in his first game where he was kind of part of the offense. They could get him more involved. He was, he was absolutely two steps open. on one second quarter play where Cone didn't pull the trigger. And I think Cone – otherwise, Cone did a good job of pulling the trigger. So you hit that one, then you get all your pieces involved. And going back to what Tim said, like, at one point when Notre Dame's up 38-20, they have fourth and goal at about the seven with Jordan Travis. They brought pressure. It worked. They made Travis bounce around like a pinball. He gets away only because Jason Adamiola, who had backside containment, probably did the right thing. By charging forward to try to get Travis, yet he gets away out of the pocket, throws a touchdown pass. If they just get the sack or pressure him into a bad throw there, it's 38-20 Notre Dame ball, and none of this ever happens. And I know there's ifs and buts, but that's a pretty big if and but. And I think Notre Dame at 38-20 is a little more indicative of what you can see this year than the collapsing Notre Dame 18 points they gave up after that.
1: We we talked about the three, quote, controversial calls that all went against Notre Dame. What about the, you know, and those are the kind of things that can can Completely turn a game into Notre Dame's favor. And yeah, you got to get one, right? You get one of those. It's
0: well, different.
1: how about this? It's 14 to 10, and there's a fumble. Florida State fumbles inside its own 20, and Tagovailoa, Mosa, and Kaiser both have great shots at recovering it, and and they don't. And, right. and, and, and the, the margin is very thin when you go down in that environment, Bobby Bowden, night, hot, loud, crazy, so you have to you have to run silent counts all night. Brian Kelly talked about the offensive line not being able to get off the snap collectively, and those kind of things happen. I want I want to say this about Michael Mayer. First of all, he's going to lead the team in receptions. They targeted him thirteen times. I mean, there's no there's no doubt he's too easy of a target. Uh, they're going to throw the ball to running backs, but but Mayer's going to be the number one target. But could we put this best tight end in the country stuff aside and just play football. Don't try to hurdle uh, tacklers. You're 250 pounds. Keep your feet on the ground. Look the ball into your hands. Know the situation when it's third and seven, they could have gone up two scores in the first quarter. If he just looks the ball into his hands on a third and seven, he didn't need to get up field at that time, but we're, we're always, we, we, we want to, we want to declare guys the best in the first of all, we want to declare guys the best in the country when we don't know what the whole country has. But Michael Mayer just needs to play football and and do the things he's capable of doing. And then he can be an all-American. But I, I just we I think we need to table this all American talk and just let him play some good football during his sophomore season. Okay, uh plenty to talk about segment two coming up
0: let irish express take care of your game day travel ride in style to south bend from chicago by motor coach with a full bartender bathroom and wi-fi upon arrival enjoy an all-inclusive tailgate and after the game head back with refreshments visit irishexpress.com to book your reservation today and save 10 percent when using the code irish 21
2: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and
1: a member FDIC. Burning up the board, segment two, we start with a question from Golden Domer 73 How much of Sunday night's performance can be chalked up to being the first game of the season on the road in a hostile environment, new defensive scheme, etc. I
0: mean, I think a fair amount. Otherwise, we wouldn't have asked those questions pregame, right? The, the, there was a theme. There was a theme before. I, it, I didn't really think about it, but there was a theme prior to this game from Pete and others. This got a little bit of a Louisville feel toward, for you, where things aren't going to be going right all the time. Now the problem is they didn't lay down the hammer completely, as yeah. they did against Louisville. They did it for a quarter, though. That was their, their third quarter was spotless offensively and defensively. They took and helped take control of the game. They was touchdown, touchdown, touchdown in the third quarter. I think people have already forgotten. It was touchdown, touchdown, touchdown to open the third quarter for Notre Dame converting free to converting on third down every time. Like I think a lot of this is the first game. And I'm not saying that because I think they're going to go out there and beat Alabama. I just think that Notre Dame will play much better than they played than in the opener.
2: You know, but does it make sense that you know just the defense was in a hostile road environment for the first time like wasn't wasn't the offense too like i thought it affected them in the fourth
1: well, but the de- but the defense yeah. the first three series of the game was outstanding
2: yeah i mean they, yeah, they had i don't know i i mean i guess a little i mean i also think like florida state has some really good players yeah like you know Jermaine Johnson was sort of what we thought Marvin Austin and I can't, I'm blanking on the uh, defensive end they had that got drafted Kendo.
1: last
0: year.
2: Like, yeah, Kato, like, that was what I thought Florida State might have last year. Uh, they didn't. Um, but Jermaine Johnson, like, was a terror. Um, they have some really good players and they have a good coach. And yeah, I mean, the Bobby Bowden stuff, I mean, the Mackenzie Milton vibes in the stadium at the end of the game were wild. I mean, you felt like you were, you were like, got sucked into a movie there. Yeah. Um that was that was part of it too, but like i i don't I don't know how seriously Notre Dame prepared for milton um because it was it felt so unlikely that he was going to be a factor in the game um so it yeah first game that's all part of it, but I think also Florida State being good is part of it.
1: Notre Dame didn't look the, the offense and defense came out smoking and then they didn't take advantage of opportunities offensively the rest of the first quarter, the mayor drop. And the defense was outstanding the first three series. And then you had an 89 yard run who missed, who missed opportunities for tackles on the 89 yard run Chain Simon and DJ Brown. That explains, that explains so a lot. It, it, I mean, that explains expl- a
0: lot. It, unfortunately, those are the backups.
1: Um, well, no, no that's and, my point. They're the backups and their backups for a reason.
0: Yeah. But they, they, I think you can't completely rotate DJ. Brown well, I don't
1: know. I base. don't think, I don't think he, he, he can't ta- He, he had one tackle that was a setup tackle. He can't tackle. So I don't think you can, you can go to him. Um, yes. It was a very, it was a very hostile environment. I think that had a lot to do with it. That's not an excuse. That's the reality of, of football. And then again, the opportunities, the calls that I'm not blaming the refs. I, Although I guess I kind of did after the game on those calls. But uh, I never, when I coached, man, I never, I never blame the, the, the umpires because that's just a, that's a crutch. And I don't, but in this case, they were significant. The roughing, the roughing, the non roughing the punter call, I mean, that stems the tide of the 18 0 run by Florida State. Absolutely. It keeps the drive alive and you don't have, you know, again, again, you keep that drive alive, and we're, we may not even be talking about the three-man front because of the momentum shift. So, But it happened, and so that's a real part of it. But um, there was a reason why the point spread was as low as it was, and the, the environment and the infusion of talent that Florida State added was undeniable. And Mike Norvell is, you know, I think showing, or at least he showed that he's a pretty good coach. And, Pete, you made the point about, you know, his offensive decision-making I Florida state has a chance to be better, especially with the infusion of talent.
0: And I think it's worth noting that that punt by Jay Bramblett, when he got hit was his best punt of the day. And he pinned him at the 12 and Notre Dame doesn't have to get up a 25 yard run. to Jordan Travis, right. That's on the defense too. There's, you need one call to go your way, but when they don't, it's not like the, it's not like Florida state blocked the punt and the uh, Notre Dame have called it and go Notre Dame's way in some way or that they return the play. I mean, Notre Dame had them backed up. You got to stop them there. You have to be able no, to stop them. Right. There. And no, I think they will be able to stop them.
1: And we're not. I mean, we're not trying to exonerate anybody from the poor play. It's just, it's, it's an opener. And I know I saw, like I saw Ryan Hel- uh, Harris at halftime and I kind of, you know, this, 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 and he said, you know, it is the first half of the first game of the year on the road at Florida state. I'm like, I hear you, man. I know what you're saying. The Irish Rover, can you break down the individual performances along the offensive line? I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see the game yet. Maybe I should start with that. Um,
2: yeah, you, you go for it. I have okay. not watched the game like okay. that. Um,
1: I, thought, I, thought, <laughs> I thought I was, I was disappointed in – I don't want to say I was disappointed. I thought the performance of Josh Lugg was disappointing. I, he didn't bend his knees. He wasn't proactive. He didn't move his feet. I thought he was stiff. I thought he was going to come out better than that and didn't think that he played very well. Uh, Kane Madden didn't show that as an, as an entire group, they didn't show the push that you're accustomed to, Right. right. But it's an inexperienced line going against, I can't say it enough, a really good defensive line. Now I didn't rank their defensive line high in the first rate during the summer, but that was because last year they had a good defensive line and laid an egg, but clearly they're playing better football. Uh, under their defensive coordinator in Norvell. And that's a tough line. That's just a tough line to go against. And Notre Dame had to go silent count, and uh, they didn't have cohesion and didn't play very well as a unit. Madden didn't get a lot of push. Uh, I thought Patterson held his own, but, again, not not a lot of push off the snap of the football. I thought Blake Fisher, for the first half, played pretty damn well. He had a false start and a hold, but I thought he he did many of the things that we saw uh, in the spring, in the preseason. And everybody said Zeke Correll was lousy the other that, night. That's false. That's not true. That yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, did he have bad plays? Yes. They all had bad plays. They didn't have a good game collectively. He threw the key block on Kyron Williams' longest run. He threw the key block on uh, Chris Tyree's longest run. He was sprinting downfield with Kyron Williams yeah. on the 55-yard Screen pass and him and Carmody com- uh, combined on Jermaine Johnson on the one yard touchdown run by Tyree. So I'm not saying any of them played well, but this notion that Zeke Carell didn't do anything right the other night is incorrect.
0: He, he probably, I know if you go by expectations, he had the best game. He might have had the best game out of alignment, right?
1: I mean, I don't. You look, I, I and I okay now I'm here. I am now, no, serious, I, no I, but look, seriously, look, like, no, that, but listen, it, listen. It, now I'm acting like I'm the expert, I'm trying to watch the entire game, yeah, yeah. And it takes me five hours to do that. I don't see every single snap I, I of all five offensive line. Well,
0: in my rewatch, my first rewatch finished it about an hour and a half ago, and I watched the guards a lot because I thought live they were terrible, and then I thought Correll did well. I, I think Zeke Correll had a good game and maybe i just didn't i maybe i kind of rated him as the fifth going in because it's in a new position and i just think blake fisher's a freak of nature and he would be fine but uh, and i thought fisher did fine um actually i mean carmody had the ugly sack he gave up but other than that i thought carmody was okay no, did. Come, he got he, got, in he, in he came situation. out
1: late he was laid out of his stance on yeah. the sack and again um, that now we're talking we're talking about silent count and he just didn't get off the snap of the football.
0: And you don't normally grade on a curve if you're a football coach. We are grading on a curve, right? You're supposed to just grade what they do, not on a curve. But right. that's why I thought Josh Lug could have been better like you did. Yeah. No, but I, but I
1: Fisher, you know, Fisher did okay. I mean, you can imagine how his head's spinning yeah. first time out there in, in in that environment. I thought he did okay. But again, we don't, I don't, we can't possibly see every snap. Texas ND22. How much do you attribute the reduced? contact and practices to the 20 missed tackles.
2: I I don't.
0: I don't. I want to go with Pete. Go ahead, Pete.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it's just Corbin, who was a high four-star recruit versus DJ Brown, who was a three-star recruit who was really not played. Um, Florida state had a better player in that situation than Notre Dame. Obviously, D.J. Brown needs to do a better job, but if like Kyle Hamilton is that is that space, then we're not talking about an 89-yard touchdown run because it doesn't happen. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, they did they have not much contact before Louisville in 2019? Did they? I we've seen openers where Notre Dame has tackled very well. It's not impossible. Um, this just wasn't one of them. Um, but I, I don't think the reduced contact is where I would chalk this up.
0: No, I don't think it's a contact either. Um, I do think, I think number one, Pete, you hit it on, they have some skill position players that, that can make guys miss, and they made a couple backups miss too. Some guys are faster than Drew White too. If Drew White's not reading it properly like he usually does, yeah, Jordan Travis is going to run by Drew White. That ha- that'll happen. It doesn't mean he's not a really good player and a great tackler. Um, and the other thing is, this is where the new defensive scheme comes in. If you're hesitant at all and you're Drew White and Bo Bauer, and Myron Tagovailo-Amosa, you're, if you're hesitant at all, you're not going to be as good of a tackler, and that, that can get cleaned up by playing more football. But I, I wouldn't blame it on Notre Dame missing some – Tackling events. And I mean, look, think of it this way. Every time Notre Dame tackles and gets guys hurt, they're saying, Why are they tackling so close to the season? Well, how many guys have gone to tackle? Right.
1: It's yeah. <laughs>
0: you have to, it's mean, a fine line, man. You're not it's not all Oklahoma trolls out there anymore.
1: It is. Well, I mean, I think that was the first reaction when we heard Maris Lee if I was injured. Well, yeah, wait well, a minute, camp ended last week. How could he get how can he get hurt? I want to mention this because somehow I inexplicably, maybe amidst the uh ten thousand words that I wrote in tail of Tape, I didn't mention Jason adamiola He's a good football player, man. He is a, he good a really football good player. Yeah. He, he he is. He, he, it is so hard to keep him blocked. I don't know, I don't know what his numbers were, but
0: he had six pressures by, uh, pro football focuses, um, grade, which is always high. So he probably had four pressures. If You want to look at it? That Dude, yeah. He always do something like that. It's like if, sometimes if they sniff the guy, there's a pressure involved, but he, he yeah. was, I thought he was around a lot. Around I mean, the, lot. T- the
1: tackling, the tackling was poor and, and I, sure. you know, I agree with Corbin and, and, uh, Jordan Travis is hard to bring down too. you know, I mean, it's no excuse. They have to be better and they will be better. You know, that happens to so many teams across the country in the first game They, they will be better.
0: Irish. I was tailgating our team identity over the past four seasons has been to run the ball, stop the run, limit big plays, and get the ball to our NFL level tight ends. Only one of those happening is FSU. Have we lost our identity?
1: I thought they, I mean, they ran too much last year, right? Isn't that, wasn't that the, that was the rap that they then they then couldn't push the ball down the field. Look, identity's identity. Um, right now, you don't have a real strong offensive line. Where you, how many? I mean, you're going to run the ball more Sunday night when you can't. You you had no choice. Tommy Reese had no choice. Um, you know, the tight end is yeah. Michael Mayer is going to lead the team in, in targets and receptions. Um, I, I think Notre Dame's going to be better stopping the run than we saw the other night. Uh, The big plays, a a, a concern because of the nature, the approach of the defense And, and running the football is going to, it's going to be pretty hit and miss at times for Notre Dame this year.
2: I, you know, the, I'll just focus on the defense. Like the identity for Notre Dame's defense was top down, keep the points down. Like that's what Brian Kelly has talked about a lot. Keep the points down. That's not what he wants out of this defense. That's not the first thing. Like, would he love it if they kept the points down? Yes. But like, he wants an aggressive defense first. That's his first priority. Keeping the point down comes after that. They are, even though Brian Kelly is not going to get up in a press conference and say like, you know what, we're willing to give up a few big plays. You know, that's a trade we're willing to make. (laughs) That's exactly what they're doing. Like, Less so the DJ Brown missed tackle, I think more so Houston yeah, Griffith. No. Getting it a bad matchup. A- <laughs> right. No, right. but the Houston Griffith one was like Florida State got Notre Dame in a good scheme and targeted their sort of least able defensive back in terms of coverage. I think that's a trade Notre Dame is willing to make for 10 TFLs per game, four sacks per game, three picks. Like that that is okay. Um, so the, the, have they lost their identity on defense? Yeah, but it's like, it's changed. They, they have made a choice to find a new identity on defense. It didn't always look great on Sunday night, but like that, this is where the defense is going. So I would, you know, to quote Brian Kelly from 11 years ago, get used to it.
1: Well, it's like, you look at Cincinnati's statistics under Marcus Freeman. It's like, damn, look how many picks they get. Well, Notre Dame got three the other night. It's had seven all last year in 12 games. Right. So that is, I mean, that is part of the trade-off. Now the, you know, the great defenses find ways to, to force, to be aggressive force turnovers and still do a good job of limiting big plays. So it's kind of a balancing act. Um,
0: we need to listen to Brian Kelly too. Like Pete is pointing out, look, he said the other safety position, Houston Griffith's position his is job is to position. tackle, get the ball on the ground. The one thing they didn't do on the 89-yard run was get the ball on the ground after a nine-yard run by Corp. That was a nice – that was a perfectly blocked – he got by Simon, who could have made the tackle, but it's not like he totally missed. He was fighting off a block. He should – I mean, he maybe he should have made the tackle, but it wasn't – D.J. Brown had to get him down there. Even if you're getting dragged for four yards for a 13-yard game, you had one job is to get him down he didn't touch him with a hand. That's the position, is make the tackle or hold on to the guy so someone else can help you. Kyle Hamilton, on the play, Kyle Hamilton looked like he was trying to make a check, and he also was trotting over to the play, like, assuming this guy's going to go down. If he would have been flying like he normally does, he would have gotten hands on Corbin to slow it down at the end, too. It's, it's, it's a fine line, man. <laughs> you have to you let, rely on a guy to make a tackle. He's got to make the tackle.
1: Question from Andy Yinzer, with Marist Leofau going down and now Paul Moala out, does this open the door for Prince Kali to potentially get some decent snaps this year? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, yes. Yes.
0: yes. I mean, yes. Brian, Hope, uh, Brian Kelly, Brian not. Kelly not.
1: mentioned, yeah, Brian no, Kelly mentioned it uh, yesterday during his press conference. He, he
0: has to. I, Shane, I, Shane I Simon was hurt and is battling back from injury, and is your backup. You want J.D. Bertrand to go to 69 snaps again, Pete?
1: No, I think that's where
2: okay. Ky, Kaiser will get more. I, I think the this increases the workload of Kaiser first, and then Kali reps as the the 2A rover, yeah. I guess. I'm not even sure how you would describe it, but it's kind of one of those things where, like, uh, Kaiser w- would be the first rover in and the first will in, sort of like Michael is backing up left tackle and right tackle. And then if something really goes haywire, then Kali comes in. Like,
0: this weekend,
2: you – got to figure out how to get Prince Pally on the field just to give him some tape to review of himself. Um, But that's because you're playing Toledo.
1: Would it make more sense for Kali to be Rover and Kaiser the will or vice versa? I mean, I don't know how much. I
0: I just think it would make sense for Kaiser to to be both. Yeah. Well, Bauer can be both too. Bauer worked at will. I mean, unless we're just wrong about Bauer. Look at he's worked at will. He didn't rotate in much, or he didn't rotate in at will. So Marcus Freeman has maybe deemed Bo Bauer not a will, right? He's yeah, he tried said, he him. He said he's tried did. him.
1: Okay, okay. He's
0: tried him. So he maybe maybe decided he's not a will. That's yeah. in which case it has to be Kaiser. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Prince Collie will play more. I think once you get Prince Collie a chance, as long as he can see it and hit it, it'll help. I don't know why Prince Collie couldn't be coached up to have a better season at the will than Shane Simon did last year. And play course, 12 snaps a game.
1: Yeah. Question from Beachy Troy. I'm 100% okay being a pass-first offense. Will Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese be okay with that?
0: Yes. When
1: Brian Kelly came to Notre Dame, yeah. he was pass-first, second, and third.
0: I'm glad you guys are okay with it. <laughs> Better get used to it, to quote Pete and Brian Kelly, in the last couple minutes. Yeah. I mean, they have to be. They They can't.
1: Well, Tommy be run first offense. No, but Tommy. Me, I mean, if if Notre can run, Tommy Reese will accentuate it. If they can't, sure. then you can't.
0: Did you notice my? I mean, uh, like if for
2: for all time, like I would prefer Notre Dame was a run first offense.
1: Like I agree for this season. Ah, yeah, change oh, exactly.
0: It. Exactly. I totally agree with you. I'm not saying that they should try to be a run first offense this year, but they're not a run first offense because they can't be. If they had all these weapons. And Hainsey, Eichenberg, and Banks, they would be a run-first offense. And after they killed you with the run, they would kill you with the pass, and they'd be a better team.
1: And all the more yeah. reason why Kyron Williams will continue to catch passes, because if you can't yeah. hand it to him, you can throw it to him where he has a little bit more space to maneuver. And that's, him, uh, Did you hear my, I very, to...
0: <laughs> my very pointed comment in the press box when Notre Dame had five minutes left in the game and they had to try to run out the clock? And I said – Bet everybody wishes they could run the ball still, huh? Because yeah. <laughs> every side was, oh, look at Lentz, running around out there. That yeah, was really cute, his 24 yard catch. Maybe you hand the ball off and end the game. But they couldn't do it. I knew you knew they couldn't do it. Brian Kelly, after the game, said, We have to be able to run it out. You did not think you could run out the clock with 538 yeah. left if yeah. you're in that stadium.
1: This is, see, this is all adding up to this is why when you lose nine draft picks and five free agents, that the transition is. You, you just don't walk into a stadium and just pick up where you left off. You can't, you can't do it. So this is all, and and it's not, this is competitive athletics in col in, on the college level, you know, guys leave and new ones come in and you have to make some years, you come back with 18 starters. Some years you come back with 12 and that's what creates a transition and it can't be done overnight. Iris from a two, how concerned are you about the defense moving forward? Just, just in general,
0: less than Pete and more than you thought I was going to be. I thought the D would play better than that. I'm so, I'm shocked. Even though it was all in the fourth quarter that they gave up, 38 points. Half of it was in the third quarter, but I'm shocked.
2: I I'm not all that concerned about the defense. Yeah, okay. Actually, um, the off- I, I'm more concerned about the offensive line than I am the defense. Oh, I think the God, defense. Yeah. I think the Okay, I think the defense will be will be good over the course of the year. And I thought they did some good stuff on Sunday. But, I, you know, it's the first game for Marcus Freeman. And I, I just go back to what Brian Kelly said on Sunday night, which I thought was the best way to sum up what the heck we just watched. Is like he learned a lot about his personnel. Like it would be a shame if he didn't. But I, I think that he came away from that game thinking like, okay, I actually, I, I hoped I could count on player X to do job wide, but uh, I'm going to have to go with player Z in that role moving forward. I, I You know, I, maybe I can't rotate as much as I want. Um, and, like, look, they have a couple games at home where the weather is not going to be smoking and the opponent won't be as talented. So he's got a couple games here to get things figured out. Um and look, I mean, even Wisconsin at this point, it's not going to be some amazing offensive juggernaut when they're emcees them in Chicago. So this, I think that was probably his trickiest matchup, you know, the Norvell stuff on top of it. Um, so not super concerned.
1: Florida State averaged 5.1 yards per carry. So now they didn't, you know, you don't expect to give up 260 plus yards rushing, but we knew that they could do that well. And then you don't tackle well. And then you start to get worn down in the environment, and and it, it gets away from you. Um, I uh, yeah, I think you, I think you come away from that knowing okay, I can't play this guy. I can't play this guy. Maybe maybe more so that than um, you know guys that you're positive that you can play. But th- they're going to be fine. The three through five still needs to be a part of the whole package because that's what that's what Marcus Freeman does. But um, you know, I, I don't. I, I don't. This isn't a, a a team that's going. This isn't going to. This isn't going to become a Brian Van Gorder type lack of productivity. It's not. It's not going to be that. This guy's too sound, and and too productive as a coordinator for that to happen. And they have they have enough players to do that. But, um, you know, learning the personnel and um, the personnel did did not do all the things that they wanted to do on Sunday night.
0: Go fight, win, go Irish. What's next for the offensive line if Fisher misses extended time? Do they stick with Carmody? Does Spindler play a role moving forward?
1: No, I, when Spindler's a guard, I mean, I, the, the question is really about tackle. Carmody, I'm sure, starts. I wanted to ask Brian Kelly yesterday if, it, if, if does, is there any sense in flip-flopping Lug and, and Carmody right and left? Then I watched the replay of the game, and I <laughs> if, if Lug – Pug's not going to move his feet at right tackle. Uh, it, it would be a little bit more problematic uh, on the left side, but it wasn't it. I mean, it was interesting. Brian Kelly said the next two tackles in are Tosh Baker and Joe Alt. Um, they love Joe Alt. And I, 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 frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Alt got in before Tosh Baker did.
0: I actually think against Toledo, they're going to have Baker spell Carmody so he can get his feet wet. And alt spell lug at the end of the game so we can get his feet wet. So I think what you're what you're saying, Tim, we wouldn't know until Purdue or until someone goes down.
1: Yeah. They should, all, I think, they should all
0: play against Toledo assuming no, you can I win by three touchdowns. Yeah.
1: I think that's a good idea. Are we assuming they're gonna be up by three touchdowns? No, I'm one? saying if you, yeah. yes. yeah. if you can win by three touchdowns if you can win by three
0: touchdowns, you gotta get Joe Alt in. And you gotta get Tosh Baker in just to get Tosh you gotta I'm get not, Tosh Baker in, no matter what, I
1: think. Yeah, I'm not assuming they're gonna be up. 21 points early uh, against a team with 21 starters returning uh, come coming off with a a one day short of preparation everything that you had to go through physically while Toledo's coming off Norfolk State I'm not convinced of that Um, but yeah you need you need to take advantage of that opportunity if you have it Carmody did uh, Carmody did okay I mean they still like Spindler but I don't, Spindler's not going to unseat one of those guards right now, unless, um, you know, Madden's consistency doesn't, doesn't pick up, but.
2: I was going to say that, uh, I don't know if you guys had sort of sourced this out or not, but I had a source tell me yesterday that Fisher's, it was probably six weeks. Um, So I would say that, you know, we're looking at him being not an option until sometime in October.
0: Six weeks probably gets you the buy, and uh USC is kind of the target yeah. when you say six weeks in that situation.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's tough. But you know, Carmeny's a strong dude. Uh he's yeah. not he's not Fisher, but I think he has a lot of promise. Uh but it's there. kind
0: of why you gotta get Baker in, right? At that point. Like it's yeah. you, you need him to play now. Maybe that helps Tosh Baker. Knowing he could play. I mean, he, it, it does help a lot of people to know they have a role. Like, that's why when Tommy Reese says Tosh Baker, when he's doing things the right way, is really good. Probably means he doesn't do things the right way all the time. And if you were the third string tackle, you might not do things the right yeah. way all the time.
1: And in, and Spindler, Spindler needs to play this week, too. If, if, if have, yes. I'm, not saying yeah, Nordame, I'm not saying Nordame won't pull away from Toledo. I'm just saying it's it's not a given. It's not New the, Mexico. It's not new. Mexico. No, 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 right. no. Definitely not. It's not a given under the circumstances of what you went through. One day less preparation. Everything that's everything that's going on with the program right now. Denver Maximus, what is the biggest overreaction to last night's performance? Uh, uh, to Sunday's performance, what makes you concerned as a true weakness as we move forward? I think we hit on it,
2: right? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm overreacting to the offensive line just sort of being just okay. Um, so I guess the over, I guess the overreaction would just be the defense. I think the defense will be much better than what they showed.
0: I think the overreaction is the tackling. And I think the possible weakness going forward and not weak like they were in the game. Cause that was, they played some pros, but it's the offensive line because I don't want to change. I don't want to change my thought of nine months of saying the offensive line might be the weakness. So I still think so after they were the weakness on Sunday <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think that I think the biggest overreaction was Reese's play calling Sunday night for me. secondly, um Carell's performance, I thought it was universally panned. I, I and i and I thought it was better than that. Um, you know, the offensive line is again, we've we've all been of the mindset that that since since the very beginning that it was going it wasn't going to be an easy transition. now you're now you're without Fisher who clearly established himself as one of the best five um, and the way the game transpired the, uh, the other night the best offensive tackle um, so uh, you know but Re- Reese will Reese will maximize what they have but there there's some shortcomings there that are going to be difficult to overcome
0: is it worth I know this is because I'm just quoting another site stuff here but I uh, pro football focuses grades are out offensively if you want to know how all the Players ranked in order on offense I mean yeah. I, I tweeted it out this morning
2: about like okay. but I compared the top five grades from Sunday night to the top five grades of last year for the season and it's interesting to talk. this well, year is I know what you're Austin, going to say now <laughs> Austin Cohn Mayor Tyree Williams last year was Eichenberg Hainsey Flemister Patterson
0: Banks like it's just a completely different product. <laughs> you have to get to number. See, they 10. don't
1: have an identity.
0: But you yeah. have to get to number ten to get an offensive lineman, where last year you had to get to number ten to get a wide receiver. That's this the is difference. like okay. it's a, the one thing I was
2: most confident about Notre Dame this year is that from an entertainment product, it would be awesome to watch, like that. And and like I'm not saying this as a Notre Dame fan, as you guys know. Like I cover the team, but I like college football. I like. Points scored. I like deep passes. I like big plays. Like this year was going to be much more entertaining from that regard for Notre Dame. And like, lo and behold, like that was the one thing I felt good about. And sure enough, Sunday night, I think you saw that team that I thought you were going to see.
0: Tweet it out right now Pete Sampson likes missed tackles and blown assignments. He says (laughs) it on the podcast. There we go.
1: Uh question from G Weave Five. What were your thoughts on the play of Houston Griffith and Isaiah Pryor? I've
2: uh I feel like Pryor's got some Elijah shoemate in his game. If you remember him, um, where moving forward, he is very explosive and diagnoses things very quickly. Moving backward is a little bit of a struggle. Uh, and the rover position asks you to do that, but thought he did, did some good stuff. Um Houston Griffith to me, I thought was I came away encouraged by Houston Griffith too, on Sunday me
0: night. Me too. I, he I, gave up I, the big play, he, but he tackled well, right, Tim?
1: Yeah, he did. He caught a few guys on his tackles, but no, I, I mean he did. I, I well, I, I wish he a caught tackle. Corbin on
0: an eighty-nine yard run. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah
1: that, he was already <laughs> behind him. I actually, as that was transpiring, I thought, okay, Griffith is going to catch him or or. I, I have didn't a mean that. I meant,
0: I meant I I wish he caught <laughs> caught a tackle instead of bitching. Oh. I wish he was in the game to catch a tackle for a 10 yard oh, game gotcha. instead of eighty-nine yards. Yeah.
1: I, I, well, I wrote in tail tape. It's the best game that Houston Griffiths ever played. Now that's, you you have to couch that because he, he's never really come close to, I don't think he's ever really come close to playing with a whole lot of productivity until Sunday night. And so, so that was encouraged. Yeah, that's definitely encouraging. And you, but you really don't have, I mean, let, you know, DJ Brown doesn't look like a great option right now. I don't know what exactly is holding KJ Wallace back. Um. You know, if, if it is a tackling position, I'm surprised that, that K.J. Wallace can't make some kind of an impact back there. So it may involve some other things. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good first step for Griffith and Isaiah Pryor. When he rushes the passer, I mean, that, I, now I understand. I mean, I think we were all surprised at at how much he played the other night. And then you watch the game and it's like, okay, I get it. Because you, you do want him, you want him moving forward. Toward the line of scrimmage, and maybe Kaiser's the guy that's more of the, you know, more of the rover that's better suited against against the pass. Um, I thought Pryor looked pretty good. I thought he was—he certainly was—he was disruptive from the very outset of the game.
0: I did too, and it's kind of why I just want to see Pryor in the role he's in. I know that if Kaiser has to cross train, Pryor has to play more at rover. I don't—I think—I don't think that's going to help the situation. Um, I love Pryor in the packages, and as Pete pointed out, I'm not sure how he will do in the base defense as much as the packages. is right. he. when he attacks he is fast man he yeah.
1: loves no, that's a good that's a good role for him and and you know credit words too marcus freeman has found right. a way to maximize isaiah Pryor. the previous staff did not um so maybe they can use that to their advantage
0: any davis where do you even start to create a running game does it make sense to use the slot as an extension of the running game now i didn't i didn't read that one ahead of
1: time sorry <laughs> um darn it it's game one there's an extension already <laughs> yeah boy Avery Davis was was absent from the totally. the, yeah. the the action um and Lorenzo Styles as well you know I, I don't I mean I you know I don't I don't think that the running game is it's not going to be that bad on a consistent basis right. uh Kyron Williams if you give him a little bit more room is going to create things I think You know, I think you have to try. I don't know exactly how many touches uh, Chris Tyree had, but you probably have to try to get him a few more touches in space just because of the the breakaway ability, which is why I want him to return with, you know, let him return a kick. Did I say that? Did I say that during the taping or before we?
0: Before you need to go ahead and say it definitely <laughs> on, on the car ride back to the hotel. You said, yeah. Up.
1: Okay. All right. Well, so I'm going off the, 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 the question here, but
0: people are about to agree with Tim Priester listening. All Everybody right. listen. So You're all about to agree with Tim Priester.
1: There's 40 sec. Don't do that to me. There's 40 <laughs> seconds to go in the game. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a tie game. Uh, and, and you, te- you tell Chris Tyreen, no matter what to call a, a fair catch. And so he does. And then on the first play from scrimmage, you run a little turnout route to, to uh mayor. He may have wanted to throw downfield and it wasn't there, but it, it's instead you throw a four yard completion to Michael Mayer that uses up seven seconds. Now, is that the best use of those seven seconds? Or should you not let Chris Tyree return the kickoff? I'm not saying he has to go the distance, but if he goes 35 or 40, now you're up near, you know, the 40 or 50 yard line. And you're one first down away from being in field goal range is it really not worth letting Chris Tyree try that and use seven seconds as opposed to a four yard gain on first down? That doesn't make any sense to me
0: You should take callers and they would all agree right now every single one of them would I, be just do, I, I just I just do
1: not would. I do not understand that he is the fastest player on the team, <laughs> and all he has to do is get one crease. To get a 35 yard return or 40 yard return. I realize Nordheim's kick return hasn't been that good, but to me that's a that's a more than equal trade-off. Statman, Statman 72. Brian Kelly had to do quite a recruiting job to have Marcus Freeman choose Nordheim over LSU. Will that make Brian Kelly hesitant to suggest changes in the defense so early in Freeman's tenure?
0: I understand the point I, I mean, if no. he means yeah if I think if he means uh if Statman means did Kelly just sit back in the fourth quarter and not say like maybe he normally would in the game hey look at this they hey, they're getting you on this you're getting into this I think Brian Kelly definitely did that but Marcus Freeman runs the defense just like Clark Lee did I, I think Brian Kelly anytime something's happening we'll will put his two cents in without saying you got to change this because you got to change this it was not appropriate they should have changed it, but, but now you gotta change it. Well, it you was, need they
1: needed to adjust it. You don't yeah. scrap everything that you've prepared to do. Right, they need to right. adjust it in the in that moment of the game.
2: Yeah, it's I mean, I don't know if the implication of the question is like as if Freeman was a five star recruit and you think he's gonna enter the transfer portal the first time you yell at him. Yeah, um, I think
1: I, I think it's much it's very, very different than that. Yeah, I
2: don't yeah, think yeah, that that way. like yeah. Brian Kelly is the is the boss. Freeman works for him. Freeman does what Brian Kelly tells him to do.
1: And I don't think Freeman's the, I mean, the, what little we know him. I don't think he's the type to take offense to that in any way. I think it's I
0: have more not trust it didn't
2: work out. Yeah. Right? Look, I have not written my big Marcus Freeman story yet, but like I've researched a lot of it. Freeman grew up with coaches who grab your face mask and spit in your face. Um, his college coach was Luke Fickle, who he hated at times. And now absolutely adores, but like he has worked for coaches way and played for coaches way more hard on you than Brian Kelly ever is going to be. So I I think Freeman would expect that, and certainly he knows how to process it.
0: I kind of think that Kelly trusted Freeman, and it didn't work out because they didn't make tackles and plays, and maybe they should have got out of the three man front. I I mean sometimes you you do. I'm sure he put his two cents in as it was going on. I don't think Brian Kelly sat there and thought, well, I don't want to say anything to Marcus. Because no, he might get but, it's- no,
1: but I would imagine as a head coach, he, he, you know, he was inclined to want to give him yeah, sure, leeway, sure. leeway in his first game. And, and that's kind him, of what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. He was letting yeah. it go. I, you know, I don't think Brian Kelly's hesitant to <laughs> throw And and Freeman Freeman's not going to take offense. I didn't know all that about him, Pete, but. He's not the kind of guy that's going to take offense to that he's a young defensive coordinator. He knows Brian Kelly's background and everything that he's learned and experienced along the way. I don't think that'll be an issue at all. We will conclude with a question from the maestro. And that is if Jay Bramlett is executed by Brian Kelly, would the refs only give the guillotine five yards for running into the punters neck? That is, that had to be saved for the last question.
0: Oh man, you know, it is such a shame. It is such a shame that Kelly wasn't asked about execution because it would have been the best response quip ever. Unfortunately, he was never asked about execution. That's why it was so awkward. I mean, the setup was so bad. The setup was so bad. It's not as bad as sports writers in our profession, national sports writers not knowing what he was referring to. That is pathetic in my mind. I get it, if not every fan does. Sports writers that have been in the profession should know that quote the moment they hear it, no matter how poorly it's delivered.
1: Well, not if they're 20 years younger than you.
0: There's TV everywhere in the world, Tim. Listen to some NFL films. These are things you should know. Well, maybe they shouldn't be opining on everything they don't know every second on Twitter, right?
2: John the only McKay. positive is that I think it, it educated a new generation into how funny John
0: McKay was. I want Brian Kelly to come up with a John McKay quote after every game just to dig at this the Oh yeah, time. It would be awesome.
1: Yeah. By by the way, John Perry, who was the uh, the official uh, the expert for the broadcast of the game, said that, that that's a running in the running into the yeah. punter penalty because it hit his uh his kicking leg. I had a power five conference referee tell me yesterday that that is wrong that it should absolutely should have been roughing the the punter so when when refs are disagreeing about the interpretation of the rule it's no wonder that we and we and fans do as well
0: Tim, uh what year were you born
1: 1960
0: you have you heard of otto graham
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay point taken yes okay. absolutely I, gotcha. i'm well just, aware just, of
0: just checking okay he's before your time how could you ever how can you ever learn yeah, anything he's before no, your time yeah
1: that's that's a good point 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 taken all right hey uh nordings one to know and we move on to toledo we're, we're we're gonna we've lost a day here so uh the three of us are gonna have to try to find a way to catch up i well first of all i've i can't wait to dig into toledo versus norfolk state <laughs> film <laughs> knock yourself out because that'll that'll certainly be enlightening thanks for joining us we're back of course into the uh two podcasts per week mode we'll be back with you on Thursday two days from now with Irish Illustrated Insider thanks for joining us
0: Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.